0: It's great to be back with you guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, Well, I've been out for several weeks. I know some of you have reached out to me online or through email, and so uh, if you don't know, I'll just kind of let you know where I've been. About three weeks ago, uh, I was actually hospitalized for about a week, and so uh, let me tell you what happened. Uh, Back in September, for a pre-existing condition, I was put on some new medicine, and have you ever watched like a medicine commercial and at the end there's like these crazy side effects? And uh, so I became one of those. And uh, it, was, it was not fun. I lost about 25 pounds, but I'm happy to report uh, I've gained back almost all my weight. Shout out to Whataburger. Um, and I'm feeling great. I missed you guys. I'm so glad to be back and to start this series today. Um, thank you. Yeah. So we're starting this series called A Christmas Story, and you know, during this time of year there are so many things to look forward to. Uh, The children are out of school, we get presents, we get to spend time with our families, Uh, obviously here at City Church we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus. Uh, But there's another Christmas tradition that I get excited for every year, and it is when TBS does their 24-hour movie marathon of A Christmas Story. Now, if you're not aware, this is something that is traditional for TBS to do. Uh, Starting at Christmas Eve and going all the way through Christmas Day, they show the classic movie, A Christmas Story. And this is actually the 19th year in a row that TBS is doing that, 19 years of 24 hours. That's like 500 hours of the same movie. And you would think that people would get tired of it, but the crazy thing I found out is that during that 24-hour span, every year, TBS is the most watched network in the entire world, and in fact, it's become such a cultural phenomenon that back in 2013, a poll went out to uh, adults, and a Christmas story actually surpassed It's a Wonderful Life as the all-time favorite holiday movie. That's a pretty big deal, and so it made me wonder, what is the explanation uh, for this magnetic draw and the incredible cultural impact of this movie? And so I thought, maybe it's the classic one-liners or relatable characters, childhood nostalgia. It's like, maybe it's the leg lamp, you know? What, what is it that draws people to this movie? And I'm sure it's a combination of many of those things. Uh, but for me, when I thought about why I love the movie so much, the draw for me is how perfectly it deals with our crazy Christmas expectations. And so maybe you know what I'm talking about. It, it Does ever feel like Christmas has been given this strange ability to magnify and hyperbolize all of our life expectations? If you remember, that's exactly what happened to Ralphie, the main character in A Christmas Story. All Ralphie wants for Christmas is a Red Ryder BB gun. He dreams about the power that this BB gun will give him. He's, he's going to be a cowboy. He'll be a hero. He's going to defend his family and prove his worth. That gun is going to change everything. He'll no longer be a weak little kid. He's going to be a freaking warrior. Now, these are pretty big expectations. And as is so often the case, Christmas expectations don't quite go the way that we imagine they would. And so poor Ralphie became the poster child of what broken Christmas expectations look like. (laughs) Now, this Christmas, every one of us comes into it with expectations for our own Christmas story, the way that we imagine this year going. And these expectations can really make or break our holiday season. Now, there are... Three aspects to any person 's story, and over the course of the series we 're going to talk about all three of them. They are personal, social, and structural. Those are three parts of any story, including your own. Personal are the expectations we have inside of us, the expectations that we place on ourselves. Social is the expectations for the people and the things that we interact with in our everyday life and The structural part of our story is our expectations for how the world around us should work and how things outside of our control happen to us. And so, in today's talk, we're going to focus on our personal expectations for each of our own unique Christmas stories. Because, just like Ralphie, these expectations can shape the way that we view this season. Now the reality is, we live every season of our life with a certain amount of personal expectations, but they're never as blown out of proportion as they are during the Christmas season. If you think about it, every commercial during this time of year is a reminder that this should be the best Christmas ever, and that you should be in love and that you should be wealthy, and that you should buy your kid the most expensive present, and that every kiss begins with K, and that you should be joyous, and that you should be happy, and sugar plums and Santa, and eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, and it just all gets really exhausting. It's like this season holds up a magnifying glass over every area of our personal stories and judges it against the perfect holiday experience. And I don't know about you, but that's a lot of pressure that leads to a lot of personal expectations that simply cannot all be met. And so it's why during Christmas we see depression skyrocket nationally. It's why we see the suicide rate jump several percentage points. People report feeling lonelier than any other time of the year. Families dive into excruciating debt, not to mention the family drama and the stress of buying presents and relational pressures. You see, we put our hope in these personal expectations and if they don't work out, our Christmas story begins to fall apart. And we find ourselves like Ralphie, there's this thing we get fixated on and if, if we can just get that thing if we can just make that much money, if we can just get the Red Rider BB gun, then everything will fall into place and our lives will finally be right and we'll finally be the hero of our own stories. But many times we end up standing dejected in our metaphorical bunny suit wondering how in the world we got to this place. And so today, what if I told you that there was actually a way, despite any broken personal expectations that you may be experiencing, that you can still live an amazing Christmas story this year. You see, our hope to answer that question is actually found over 2,000 years ago in the original Christmas story. And so over the course of these three weeks, we're going to be looking at a different perspective than you may have heard before about the original Christmas And I want us to look at how things really went down. And so today, we're gonna be reading from the Gospel of Luke. Luke is a a book in the Bible, and Luke was a real person who was a doctor that dedicated his life to not only serving Jesus, but to accurately telling Jesus' story. And so with the meticulousness of a physician, he interviewed dozens of people and he hung out with Jesus' disciples and his closest friends and he compiled a narrative that has not only stood the test of time, but even in modern times, Luke's narrative of Jesus' life has stood up to the test of secular literary historians who have all confirmed the veracity or the truth of this book. And the thing I love about Luke's account is that he gives us some backstory to the first Christmas that we don't get in the other three Gospels. And so, starting in verse 5 of chapter 1, he begins to unfold this parallel story of two very different women in very different situations who were both suffering from incredible, broken personal expectations. Now, these women were named Mary and Elizabeth. And while they were relatives, there was a significant age gap between them. First, we're introduced to Elizabeth, who was a wonderful, godly woman. However, she was unable to have children. She was barren. And 2,000 years ago, at, at that place and at that time, this was a huge cultural dishonor. And to make matters worse, Luke tells us that Elizabeth was very old, way past childbearing years, which meant that the hurt of a childless home was seemingly a permanent broken expectation. And so that's Elizabeth. And next we're introduced to Mary, who is on the other side of the issue. She is very young, with her entire life ahead of her. And in fact, she had just met this incredible man, a carpenter named Joseph Joseph. And they had gotten engaged, which was also a big deal back then. It meant that Joseph had to complete all these tasks and had to pay Mary's father a large sum of money and things were really seeming to go her way. However, it was at that moment that Mary got an unexpected visit. And so we'll read in Luke chapter one, it says that God sent the the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. But Mary was confused. How will this be, she asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now this seems like exciting news. You're gonna get to give birth to Jesus, to the son of God but it's hard to really accurately say how terrifying this would have been for Mary. She had all of her personal expectations set into motion by her engagement. She was going to be married, which was a huge deal, and she hoped to give children to Joseph so that she could gain honor and status in her community, but now she finds out that she's going to get pregnant and it is clearly not Joseph's child. Now back then, not only could Joseph have banished her, but by law, he could have had Mary killed for getting pregnant during their engagement by someone else. And so if you're Mary, you have to be thinking, what the heck am I gonna tell my family and my friends and most of all, Joseph, God got me pregnant? Hey, I got pregnant, but not like, you know, the sex kind. That's not, that's not an answer. And to be honest, if I'm there and I'm Mary's friend, I'm not buying it. Really, Mary, immaculate conception. She's in a horrible place, and her life is not going the way that she imagined it. She was dealing with broken expectations. And so I want us to talk about the dynamic between these two women. Their stories teach us so much about how broken personal expectations affect our lives, and the problem seems to come down to this issue of timing. If you think about it, Elizabeth was too late to realize her expectations, and Mary's pregnancy was too early to achieve hers. And so it makes you wonder, why couldn't God have allowed Mary to wait until she was married? To Joseph to conceive? She could have avoided the scandal and shame. Why couldn't God have allowed Elizabeth to bear a child in her youth and gain the respect of her community as a godly mother? And I wonder about your own story this Christmas. Why doesn't it seem like God can't just throw us a bone sometimes and let us have things our way on our own time. Instead, we so often find ourselves either too early or too late when it comes to our personal expectations. And so maybe you find yourself like Mary this season. You're facing an unexpected complication at the worst possible time. The loss of a job, unexpected debt, Accidental pregnancy, falling out with family members, or a newly diagnosed health problems. Anything that adds complications to your story this Christmas. Or maybe you relate more to Elizabeth. You feel like you're running out of time and it feels too late for your personal expectations to ever come to pass. You just knew that this would be the Christmas that you'd be engaged, but you're somehow still single as ever. Or maybe you hoped that you would get the promotion that could finally impress your father-in-law this year, but you got passed up again. You expected that you would have lost the weight, but you've gained it. You had hoped that she would quit cheating, but she's still involved in an affair. You hoped that he would quit doing drugs, but he's still using it. Feels like our problems always are coming too early or too late, and all this time, we spend building up these personal expectations, these ideas of how our lives are gonna go, go to waste. You know, we look for confirmation that our lives are going right, that we are loved, and that We're worth something, and we look for that confirmation in these expectations that we're building. But so often, those expectations are broken. And so maybe we end up too old and unable to have children or too young and pregnant at the wrong time, and our lives and our stories this Christmas quickly fall apart. And so what do we do when we face these painful, broken expectations? Well, let's go back to Luke, and let's see how Mary and Elizabeth worked through their own problems at the first Christmas. If you remember, Mary had asked, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And not only that, but even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is already in her sixth month. And then the angel gives her the bottom line. For no word from God will ever fail. And so today I don't know where you are in your belief in God. Maybe you're not quite buying into what we believe around here about the virgin birth and Jesus being the savior of the world. But here's what I do know. It is a historical fact that a woman named Elizabeth miraculously gave birth in her old age to a son who was known as John the Baptist. And it is equally certain that Mary gave birth to a son named Jesus. There's overwhelming historical evidence to support both of these births. In fact, there is more evidence that Jesus walked on this earth during his time than any of the emperors of Rome. We can be certain that these births happened. Elizabeth's son spent his life preparing the way for a Messiah, a Savior named Jesus. John the Baptist lived a life of wild significance. And Elizabeth was given the son she had always prayed for. And Mary... The birth of her son shook the foundations of space and time, an event so powerful that it actually split all of history into what happened before Christ and everything else that happened afterwards. Jesus showing up to earth was such a significant event that we had to reorganize how we thought about time. We had to reorganize our calendars around him showing up. And so here's what I'm saying. In the original Christmas story, God used the most unlikely characters with all of their broken expectations and seemingly the worst timing in order to pull off the greatest moment in human history, the creator himself being born into creation to rescue us from our sins. And the implications of this for your life are huge. Because what this means is that if there is a God who loves you, then you can live an amazing Christmas story despite any of your broken expectations, no matter how bad they are, no matter how off the timing feels. And not only that, but God is so big and he is so powerful that he can actually take those broken expectations and use them to create the path to your most amazing Christmas story ever. And if that's your desire today, if that's what you want for your life and for your holiday season, then here's the key. We find it in Mary's response to the angel. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. You know, there are a few things that's hard to deal with in life as significant broken personal expectations. When your life just simply isn't going the way that you imagined it would go. You're lonelier, and you're poorer, and you're single, and you're unhappy. And it's possible that Christmas is actually the hardest time to deal with these broken expectations. But today, we find in scripture that we have a decision to make. Will you continue to try and force your idea of how your Christmas story should go? Or are you willing to try and posture yourself like Mary and submit to what God may have for you this season? I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word be fulfilled. Mary submitted. Okay God, whatever you're doing in my life, whatever complications it causes, however bad the timing is, I'm in. I submit. And let's be real, this is a big leap to take, trusting that an invisible God has a better plan for you this Christmas than the one that you have been painstakingly putting together all year long. Trusting him in the midst of incredibly challenging complications, giving up your control over the timing of your life and believing that God has a better plan. Why should you do that? And that's a fair question for you to ask. And here's why. The baby that Mary gave birth to was named Jesus. And he grew up and he lived a perfect life, and he had all the power of God at his disposal. And one day, he submitted. He allowed himself to be tortured, and ultimately to be killed. And he did it for you. It feels like a risk, it's scary submitting. But on the other side of that submission might just be the start to your own world-changing Christmas story. And so please consider this Christmas, not letting your own expectations get in the way of what God desires to do in your life this December. Would you guys pray with me? God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the first Christmas. God, I thank you that it wasn't just as perfect and pretty as we often picture it that you're willing to take the most unlikely people, and God, we will include ourselves among that. And you're willing to take them with all of their hurts, with all of their broken expectations, and use them to impact this world. And so God, I pray that we could submit to what you want for us this Christmas, that we could lay down our own expectations in the way we've been imagining this all year long and to trust in you. Give us the strength and the courage to do that, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.